Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find you can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. And I suggest checking ESPN.com starting pretty early in the day, Monday morning, and then throughout the day. So I'm going to get to all that stuff following the Commander's season finale blowout loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Going to get to what all this means on Monday, but a couple house housekeeping things before we get to Ron Rivera's situation and the entire all this stuff, and you're going to want to stick around for that. Anyways, real quick, first of all, Washington's lost. They clinched the number two pick in the draft. That gives them so many options. You have a quarterback need because you need that long-term guy, and you do not build things in a linear fashion. If you don't have a quarterback, if you don't feel you have a quarterback, you go get the quarterback in some way, whether they stay at number two and pick a guy or the way they trade back and pick someone else and get some more. We'll see whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whomever. Anyways, we're going to have all offseason to get into that. But they did clinch the number two pick. And I think that was one of them. Listen, and if you can't, if you can't be good, be really bad in this kind of situation, because now you got another building block um, to entice someone else, but also to help get this franchise back to where it hasn't been in a long, long time. So that's number one. Number two. They they sealed their schedule for 2024. There's always a few games or three games where it ba- was based on commonplace finishers. So their home schedule for 24, including the NFC East teams, you also have Atlanta, Carolina, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and Chicago. Chicago was the one. Tennessee and Chicago were the two games that were based on commonplace finishes. The away games, NFC East teams, Baltimore, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Arizona. Arizona was the commonplace finisher game. So now the schedule's set. Finally, the last thing is Terry McLaurin gets 1,000 yards for the fourth straight year. Congratulations to him. Looked pretty iffy there for a few for a long time. He needed came into the game needing 50, 54. He ends up getting 56 with 15 coming on the last drive. So if Dallas had converted a first down on its last drive, that's a that's a wrap for McLaurin, and it's a wrap for he wouldn't have gotten a thousand yards. But what mattered to McLaurin was that how many players came up to him on the sidelines before that last series and said, "We're going to get this for you." That you could tell he wasn't necessarily choking up in the post game, but it certainly you could certainly tell how much it mattered to him. And even talking to him later about it, he would point out just how much that aspect mattered to him. They weren't going to let him down, and they didn't. Howell did it. All these other players did it. And you could see the way they blocked, the way he ran. He got his 15 yards. First player in franchise history to go over 1,000 yards, which is remarkable considering 1,000 yards four years in a row, um, which is remarkable considering he's now played with 10 different starting quarterbacks and in, in only he got here in, what, 2019. That's incredible. And I think one of the things they need to do is stabilize that position, find a guy, get that guy, and, you know, and keep Sam Hall around. The guy can he can play in this league, but you're certainly at number two. You have a chance to get a high ceiling guy and keep this in mind. And I know people are afraid to be quarterbacks because you're afraid if they if they don't hit. But you rather have I think you'd rather take a chance and have a miss than not take that chance and see him hit somewhere else. So anyway, that aside, 
That's those are some of the housekeeping things. Now on to coach Ron Rivera and his status. I'm talking to you Sunday night. You might not see this till late Sunday night or, or maybe watch it early Monday morning. So here's what I know. He's going to meet with Josh Harris in the morning and be pretty early. My guess is sometime in that eight o'clock hour, we're going to know something. Or my guess is we'll know something in that time. The players will come in. They have, there's a team meeting at nine o'clock. They do those all the time. So it's not based on this. However, um, I do think that you can, if you're the owner, you're probably going to work around that because you're not going to have Ron Rivera address them in a team meeting. And I think one of the things if after the game today, uh, it took a few more extra minutes for Rivera to come into the media room. But I think he kind of used that his time to talk to the team tonight, knowing probably wouldn't get it tomorrow. Players will be in the open locker room. That's from about 9.15 till whenever they clean out. And then, you know, we'll see if there's a press conference later in the day. But that's the schedule right now. Obviously, Rivera's going to meet with Harris. And the, obviously, what's going to happen, we all know what's going to happen. He's, he's going to get fired. And so that's been the expectation all along. We've known that. You've known that. He's known that. Everybody's known that. And um, so now we're at the point where that's going to happen. It may only be Rivera tomorrow. If um, I don't know that it's going to be this big wipeout initially. Right. So um, there are a lot of coaches under contract. It's very possible that they, they get, they do this with Rivera. I don't know about others do it with Rivera and then let the new, the new people, whoever the, you know, some of their new hires, whether it's a GM coach, president of football ops, make the decision then on the remaining people in the building. That would also include the front office there. I know a lot of people, I know, certainly know people in the front office have been expecting that, that they'll be out of work at some point soon. But what what's um, going to happen is they're going to first big hire for them will be a president of football operations. They want to set up the organization very similar to what they what Harris and the Harris Blitzer group has done with the 76ers and the Devils. And you have that president of basketball operations, hockey operations, and you have a GM, you have a coach. That's the setup they want here. So, and the one thing I do know is whoever that president of football ops is, it needs to be someone who has a heavy, heavy role, heavy belief in analytics and use of, of, of analytics. Daryl Moore at the 76ers is kind of that model. You know, you keep hearing an outside the box hire. I don't know exactly what that means sometimes because you run that by people and they're like, well, what, what does that mean? And I think some of that is taking an NBA approach and bring it to the NFL. NBA may be a little bit, um, I wouldn't, I don't know about progressive, but certainly maybe willing to do a few different things. I don't know. And someone else told me today that, well, they thought it would be a, even if it's outside the box, it's an NFL executive coming in. That could mean a Donna Ponte who works in the league office. It could mean a Catherine Raish who works for the Browns. And she's in a role where I know some people feel like she's ready to, to um, elevate to that kind of role in a, an administrative leadership position and, and kind of be the organizer of everything. And then here you have the GM and the coach underneath that. So, but, and I don't know, like those are names, if you're going to go out, you know, possible, right? Um, but it could be somebody else. And so I don't know that right now. I just know that that would be the expectation of the first hire. And then everything flows from there. And then that person would decide what to do with Martin Mayhew in the front office. Again, Mayhew was brought in by Ron Rivera. This is, yeah, I just, I it would have a hard time believing that they stick around, but that's, I don't, I don't know. The only point of this is I don't know that it's going to happen for them on Monday. It could happen again, later in the week or whenever 
um, whenever there's a president of football ops and they decide what direction they want to go. But, you know, make no mistake, definitely a lot of people expect to be gone. And, and some people I've talked to here feel like not only they expect to be gone, they feel it's, it's necessary, that it's time for another voice, another approach in the building. And we'll get into some of the stuff that went wrong throughout the last, you know, this year and the last four years, why it wasn't better. Um, but then I'll get to that in a minute or a little bit here, but then a lot Monday, later in the day, Monday, Tuesday, throughout the off season. But really actually after a couple of days, we're going to be looking ahead because not going to, it's not going to be useful for you to keep going back and like what went wrong. Well, we all, we know a lot of what went wrong. Um, but anyways, going back to the hirings, one thing I do think, do know is it will be a collaborative effort whenever it's not going to be, Hey, Josh Harris is going to hire a president of football ops. And that person is going to hire the coach. They, he does want to have a GM and, and prez president of football operations in here to help hire the, the coach, but they, he wants that kind of order. I don't think they want to hire the coach and then those other positions. Um, but I think they want to hire those positions and then go get the coach. And you can hire the president of football operations. You can go get a GM right now. Even if there's team is, team is in the playoffs, you can go get them and hire them. The coach, if their team's in the playoffs, you're going to have to wait a little bit before you can bring them before you can, you know, not only you can virtually interview with them, but then to bring them in a person, you gotta be, you know, it's either done or the week that by week before the Super Bowl. Um, and so it could take a little bit with that, but that all depends on who that person is. Um, one of the things after the game, too, a lot of players spoke about their affection for 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 Rivera. I think he meant a lot to a lot of guys. I will say this was not the best year for, for anybody. And I think there were players that definitely felt like they wanted him to do a little bit, more, be a little bit more involved with some things. And he kind of ceded some of that stuff to Eric Bieniemy. And I told you one other time, I don't think that went over well with a lot of guys. I think they wanted, you know, it kind of upset the structure a little bit. And, you know, and, and I think that was one of the things that they w had hoped that Rivera would be a little bit more proactive in some things, just getting back to being a coach, being, you know, being the head coach, make, you know, being more involved than just as a CEO type, not, not going in there and doing the X's and O's and all that, but just in terms of, setting the tone and, and being the guy that's in charge and knowing everybody knowing who the guy is in charge. And that's one thing that I felt like kind of went awry a little bit this year when you talk to players. And I told you that like a month or so a month or two ago about that. That was certainly one of the issues that, that popped up. Um, I think when you look at the overall totality of Rivera's tenure, the inability to, to be honest, like the inability to build the line, the offensive line was it was a problem. But I don't think it was just that. The inability to find a quarterback was a problem. I also think that Rivera is a highly, op a very optimistic person. I think sometimes that got him in trouble. I think there were some times that they were slower than overall as a staff to um, maybe make some changes, hoping or believing that person X could get this done. That And it would take a little bit longer to make that decision. It could be or maybe like you saw, I talked to someone on Saturday who said they saw early on that the defense was was just bad. And it was their pro the problem was when the defense couldn't stop the run in the preseason. So like when you see that in the preseason, it spills off into the into the regular season. And it did. And so they knew that it was going to be if you don't make changes, whatever those changes were, that there were going to be problems. And they were very slow to react to that. I think some of that is that optimism that, hey, this is this happened before. And I think it's a very good quality to be very optimistic. But I I do think sometimes as a coach, you have to be more realistic 
and be very self-critical to make sure that you're seeing it the way you need to and then making changes at the appropriate time. And I think sometimes it would just go a little bit longer having a lot of trust or faith in a person, whether it's a coach, a player, whatever. And we saw that, you know, I think a few times, I think he was very loyal. I think sometimes those things those things can be very good qualities. They can also trip you up. And I think in this case, perhaps it tripped him up. But again, you look at, you you had to build, you know, whoever comes in is going to have to build the lines on both sides of the ball because they're not set at defensive line. They have two tackles. They don't have any ends that they can really say that this guy is a definite starter in this league. And they're going to have to rebuild that offensive line. I think there are a couple of guys, you, you, you obviously roll with Sam Cosme, you know, um, but you're going to need to draft or, or bring in, whether a draft or free agency, whatever. You're going to have to find a couple other linemen. It's going to be hard to get it all done in one offseason, and I think that's going to be the task for whoever comes in. And, again, we'll talk a lot about that throughout the offseason. Um, but suffice to say, some of those things were were issues. And, again, we're going to get into that. Monday I'll do another show, probably Monday for Monday night, do the live stream show with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders, on Tuesday night as we can start to really kind of rehash, look ahead, what do they need to do here to, to get this turned around? And um, is there, is there, what optimism is there for the future? How good is this job? I think it's going to be a very good, a very attractive job for people. And, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, the bottom line though, a disaster of a season, but moving forward, this disaster of a season, I told one player the other day before the game on Friday that, you know, I know you guys want to win, but come August, you might be glad that you finished with the second overall pick. So anyway, there you go. That's it for me. Just a little primer setting you up for Monday. This is going to be, this might be a little bit old. However, we know what's going to happen. And um, so I would check back. You're going to hear this tonight, early in the morning. Check back throughout the day on ESPN. Um, check on social media. We'll have it. And we'll recap the day for you later in the day. So there you go. Um, hey, folks, thanks for tuning in all season. I know this was a, a garbage season, but I always appreciate you guys listening to what I have to say. And there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about over the next three, four, five, six months, and then next season. So we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>